Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Anti Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Anti Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AntiUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Anti Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's July 10th, 2020. You're listening to the best PokerCast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Got a little COVID interruptus here for everyone. Just uh, trying to give them a little, little, you know, a little break from the the craziness and uh there's some more craziness now that they're talking about and this 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 is interesting to me because it is because kanye west always does something right right and he says he's gonna do it and yet he does it and we don't believe him and then he tries to put up like a smoke screen about why he's doing it and i just don't understand it Oh, man, but I can't wait to join the birthday party, so. <laughs> yeah, I know that's not what you're talking about, but I had to get to Well, that. I do have a question about this lead item we're going to talk about, and the question is, where was all this concern the last three or four years when we had all the other online events? No one talked about this then, but now that it's every event or a lot more events, they're complaining about it. I, I don't get it. Wow, okay, all right, remind me of that. Let me talk to the, let me introduce the item, and then, because I right. have thoughts about that as well. All right, good. All right, so here's what Chris is talking about. Uh, with the World Series of Poker's massive online summer series underway now, how likely is it that players will be able to cheat their way to victory? An article in Forbes took a look at that, at that after pro Jeff Madsen penned a facetious, facetious – I even wrote that myself. I could, I could have picked a different word. <laughs> facetious tweet last month asking players what cheating programs they'd be using. Experts interviewed rated the chances of cheating anywhere from close to zero to definitely possible, with the easiest way to cheat being having a friend rail you – uh, and offer advice. That when it says zero to definitely possible, it reminds me when they say either you're way ahead or way behind. <laughs> <laughs> you think? And I'm just grateful that you didn't say face tyus. So <laughs> facetious is a tricky word, but face tyus would have been the end of the show, I think. So, all right. So what I was getting to say was that you know they've had at least like ten bracelets now, or six or seven events a year where they had online during the actual World Series. So why is it all of a sudden a concern, and why are people all of a sudden... And what is Forbes doing, doing writing a story about the World Series? Get back to millionaires and billionaires and leave us alone. Well, I'll tell you this about Forbes. Uh, they show up in my Google News a lot with a lot of weird stuff now. So mm. I don't know... Desperate times. Because the economy's in such a crapper right now, they have to expand into weird stuff. But Yeah, yeah. And they're in the... They are clickbait experts now too, which is so <laughs> frustrating. It used to be a real, you know, established magazine, right? Yeah. Clickbait me, Mr. Forbes. 
Um, okay, so a couple things about what you said. Uh, one, I think um, I, I don't know whether there wasn't this kind of debate um, when they started introducing online events. It might have been. It might have just got you know, you know, swished around with all the other discussion with the World Series. Um, uh, I, but I think the reason that it's probably seems higher now or is higher now is because now we have a whole series. And we talked about this when they first announced this online summer series um, uh, that, that people were talking about whether it's going to cheapen the bracelet, right? Because yeah. now, now you've got events that it's some people can't participate in unless they travel somewhere and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I, I think that's part of it. And I think uh, the extent of it is, you know, hey – all right, we might have been all right with a couple online events because that's the way the world's headed. But uh, now that you're doing a whole one and you're giving out, you know, 60, 70 great bracelets, I don't even know how they're doing, right? Uh, now we now we need to have this conversation about what you're doing to prevent cheating. And, um, and uh, the folks weren't really clear on what they were, which, you know, I guess that's the right thing, right? If you ask a security guard what steps he takes to make sure to protect the store, <laughs> he's not going to tell you everything he's doing, right? Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, it's supposed to be something about nebulous, but, um, and, you know, obviously I think they've got good programs for figuring out, you know, bots and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, think about all the shows we've done since quarantine when they talked about these, uh, um, ghosting accounts and all that stuff. And, that, that's, and, and people were acting like, well, everybody does it. So, I mean, if everybody's doing it, <laughs> it seems like it's a pretty real thing, right? Yeah. So, well, the yeah, ghosting, it, the ghosted thing is interesting to me because... When you're talking about playing cash games against your buddies and you got a guy who's way better at poker than you are and you want him to sit in for you and you're going to give him a percentage, that way he's got no risk, kind of like a, you know, like a, a person who, you know, starts games and everything like a, <clears throat> but to me, this is different. I, I don't think that there's somebody out there who's capable of winning a bracelet is going to win the bracelet for somebody else. That That's really right. bizarre. Now no, the other thing, yeah, yeah the other cheating, like you know the bots and the whatever, it might get you through some early rounds if you can't be there, or the the poker stove, all the math and all that. Yeah, that's that's something where that could be considered cheating, or it is cheating. And I think Madsen said something like, you know, just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it's not cheating. And he's right; he's absolutely right. Um, but it's just interesting to me that some of the excuses they gave were like, I'm like, come on, do you really think like Helmut's sitting in for me? To, yeah, yeah. to win a bracelet for me. <laughs> the guy wants his own bracelet, you know? So some of it seems kind of facetious. Um, <laughs> but uh, to me, I, I just think that, you know, they're stretching it now. And again, I, I I don't think the fears were as clear in the past because that's what you do during the week is you, I mean, you basically have your Google news feed and all that stuff to have keywords and stuff and and when poker comes up you see the news stories that's how they get on our show so over they've been doing online bracelets for at least two or three four years now and that's that story's never been on our show and you would have put that on the show if people were bitching about it so yeah i I think this is just unique because now it's this whole thing and now they're all like oh i might one thing i will predict is that they're going to be a higher percentage of worldly winners international winners than, than ever before because now these people don't have to risk going taking a plane flight they, they, they don't have to fade the, the staying in a hotel they can play from their home these guys there's gonna be a lot more winners internationally i think this year than well, ever before. international events that's the thing so i mean if you want to play in the new jersey new uh, nevada events you have to actually be in the yeah. states so yeah so yeah the gg poker ones that uh, europeans will will be in yeah you're absolutely yeah, they're right. gonna dominate those yeah um 
Yeah, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I think there's two ways of looking. One, you know, hey, the World Series could have just taken the summer off, right? They could have just said, hey, we're going to wait till the fall, and we do. hopefully we can do our live thing, which, you know, who knows if that's going to happen. And uh, But they chose not to. They chose, hey, let's fill the summer thing with something. So, you know, I'm a little loath to criticize them for that, and I think other people should be a little bit more loath to criticize them for that. At the same time, when you offer something, I mean, it's not like, you know, you bring in a uh, carnival and uh, you don't make sure that (laughs) the the Tilted World is not going to fly off, right? (laughs) Uh, So you do have a responsibility. There, so uh, you know, I, I don't really mind the criticism that making sure it is, but um, but there just wasn't any, um, at least in this article, there wasn't any kind of smoking gun to suggest that uh, that that this was going to be a big problem. Right. I mean, right. obviously, you're you're right. I mean, I mean, I, I think the the thing at the end that the folks said, you know, yeah, I could see you being in your apartment, your condo, or something, and and. Uh, you know, a bunch of your buddies got knocked out. Now they come over to drink some beer and, and rail you, and uh, obviously they're going to offer advice, right? So that's that wouldn't happen in a brick and mortar room. So um, I don't see how you can stop that. I don't, I don't see how you can de- de- detect it. So yeah, I think you just have to accept certain levels that are different. Yeah. I mean, online in general is different than live, right? So I mean, there are. I don't know if there should be different rules, but uh, I think there should be a different expectation as to the what what in reality is happening sure when you play online you race 10x when you play in person you race 3x so right, yeah, there's yeah. big differences and you get aces all the time and you always <laughs> lose with them and you always lose with them and when they have one out they hit it <laughs> see this is what's great about having scott as a co-host he'll drop phrases like loathe right but then he can't pronounce facetious <laughs> loathe to do things it's terrific I'm sorry. Go no, no. Hey, hey. If you want Alex Trebek as your host, you should have asked him. All right. <laughs> what is no? You chose me. All right. Months after Andy Block put his stylish Las Vegas mansion in the market for millions of dollars, still Helmuth is now selling his much more modest Vegas abode for less than five hundred thousand. While Helmuth has enlisted poker pro realtor and Andy up fan uh, friend uh, Karina Jett to sell the house, he did tweet the availability of the sixteen hundred square foot country club home generating plenty of snarky replies, including one mocking the original look of the 46-year-old house. 13 bracelets, zero upgrades. Uh, to those wanting to know whether this is the house where an infamous ESPN video of a shirtless Helmuth was filmed, it is. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I wanted to look it up. No, I did. I read about it already. But uh, Yeah, here's the deal. When you play an ass on TV, you get treated like one in real life. Yep. I mean, that's why... That's totally why they're they're busting his chops on social media about this, you know. Um, but it's it's still a nice house, whether it's not been upgraded or not. It's in a nice area and it's a nice home. Hey, I saw the aerial shot of it and stuff. It's a nice place. What are you, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I, well, it's interesting because I you know uh, the real estate market is is a little crazy right now, right? But uh, and I keep following it here in in town, not because we're trying to sell our house. I just you know I like to see what my neighbors are getting for their house. Yeah, so yeah. I- and um, uh, so it's kind of interesting to me that you can get a 1,600 square foot home in a country club. Now, granted, obviously, as they they said in the photos, it doesn't look like he's put a lot of effort into it right. <laughs> over the years. Right. So maybe that's why uh, for for less than a uh, half a million. Now, of course, they're also uh, joking because the Zillow estimate, which is all my real estate friends laugh at, but um, it was uh, way lower than the uh, the asking price. So. Uh, but anyhow, uh, I was a little surprised. Uh, he has a nice pool and has a nice view of the golf club, and you know, I, don't know. I mean, I have really a desire to live in Vegas, so it's, I'm not going to jump on this one. But 
<laughs> but if you were a poker player, I mean, uh, might be a little something to say, hey, I'm living in Phil Helmy's house now, right? Yeah, right. Not only that, but I mean, like you said, that's a... I'm not saying his price is bloated. Some people said that he was asking way more than what people were giving him the value of. So, but if you got like 300 grand and you could buy that house, because I know he asked for less than five, but I mean, if he comes down like most people would, I mean that's that's a that's basically what you'd get for a house around here without a country club, you know. So. Oh yeah. You know that's what I mean? A, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah so I'm, it's, it's right in the neighborhood of what my neighborhood is, and uh, I don't have a country club here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's that's he's. I don't think he's asking too. I mean, he's asking too much for what people are valuing it as. But that's a pretty decent house for a decent price in a decent neighborhood with a with a country club. So I don't know. I think it's like to bust his chops because you know troll him because of who he is. But uh, if you're just some regular guy doing that, you know they'd probably get crap too because. <clears throat> I think he's banking on his celebrity to get that extra money. You know. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, but I think what would be awesome, and and tell me this isn't possible, that some of these snarky poker pros, somebody's going to buy this house just so they can re- recreate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, the, the, the toothbrush thing. The photos of themselves all over the place. <laughs> the, 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 the whatever the yoga kind of thing he does. Yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. That would be I, fantastic. I, think stuff, I mean, look at these people. They'll, they'll, they'll wager this stuff like on a raindrop coming down a window, right? <laughs> That's right. Tell me they're not going to buy this house just for that amount and just do it, and then know they can flip it around and maybe make money off of it, right? Yeah, right. That's going to happen. I promise you that's going to happen. That's classic. That's what it is. Oh, man. All right, here's this week's update on casino and poker room reopenings, and as my uh, co-host changed it, reclosings. That's right, because there are reclosings. In California, Governor Gavin Newsom has ordered card rooms in 19 counties, including Los Angeles, to close for uh, three weeks and maybe longer. In Nevada, Flamingo and MGM Grand have opened reopened their poker rooms. In Illinois, Rockford Charitable Gaming Association and Windy City Poker Championship are resuming operations. In Minnesota, running Aces Casino Hotel Racetrack has reopened its poker tables. In Missouri, Hollywood Casino St. Louis has reopened its poker room. In Ohio, Mansfield Gemini Poker Social Club has reopened. In Florida, by order of Miami-Dade County Mayor, non-tribal casinos have been forced to close again, affecting Casino Miami and Hialeah Park Casino. And Texas Lions Poker Palace is reopened. And a reminder that Antia.com uh, slash reopen list verified details, details and casino and poker room reopenings and reclosings. <laughs> if you have updates, email us at editor at antiupmagazine.com. Uh, and remember, every Tuesday we are emailing out a weekly e-blast with updates that you can yeah, subscribe to on the homepage of antiupmagazine.com. And we do apologize that our forwarding email address, which is our editor at antiupmagazine.com, podcast, all those ones, they had been uh, un, uh, out of service for uh, a couple weeks as we switched servers, and we didn't realize it. But they're all fixed now, thanks to my friend Chris. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was interesting. And then you get people like on the website that used to host it telling me information that was completely wrong. They're lying to me, and I'm like, why are you lying to me? I know that we don't have to do this. Why did we lose this? And then we finally got to fix our good man who uh, takes over the new stuff for us now took care of it. But yeah, so that's a reminder. If you did send anything to us at editor or podcast at annieatmagazine.com in the last like week to two weeks, maybe, uh, you might want to resend just in case. Just in case, because we, we, we may not have gotten it. It may not have stored. If you did not get a response from us, resend it. Yeah, exactly. Because Scott Cause always... I, I think it sounded like when people emailed, they got a block kind of, or that address didn't work or something like that. So yeah. I don't 
the case. But yeah, um, so you can try uh, again too. That's the thing. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so you know, a one step, two steps forward, one step back. That's kind of how it is this week, right? Yeah, it, it it's almost exactly what we predicted last week. Where you know we thought we'd have the same amount, but now there's two two there that are two listed here that are closings. You know, um, I don't know. I, I just don't know what to believe. Well, not what to believe. I don't know what to think anymore because it's just, the numbers just aren't coming down. They're just getting worse and worse. I, I don't know how they're going to stay open. I hope they do, and I hope that. It works out, but I don't know how. I don't know how it's going to not keep spreading and keep doing this. You know, they, they talk about oh, the second wave is coming. You know, but this is the first wave never ended. Yeah. So I don't know what the hell's going to happen. Uh, I guess it's. I don't even know if it is two steps forward, really. I don't know what yeah. to say. Well, I mean, uh, there. I mean, I, it was hard to determine how many rooms in California were forced to close down because of this. So um, that that would probably be the numeric number. Well, I mean, we. We added another twelve or fourteen rooms since our last email update that went out. So, um, and then two in Florida had to reclose, and I would imagine it's probably fourteen or fifteen in California. That would be my guess. So, so Nin- yeah, I mean, we probably didn't make any progress. We probably did fall behind. Well, if they're in nineteen counties, right? Isn't that a minimum of nineteen rooms? Uh, yeah, probably. I guess. Yeah. I guess it depends on where. I mean, some counties might not have any, but I imagine they probably do. Yeah, you're probably right. So, yeah, um, so. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it seemed a little heart, uh, disheartening to actually have to go back through it. Because it, it's hard enough to get this information anyhow. So, I know. You know, definitely appreciate those folks that, that email us and let us know because that certainly helps. Because it's, um, you know, you're trying to keep on top of almost 500 poker rooms every week um it's it's difficult <laughs> so yeah. uh so yeah it was a little disheartening to in addition to trying to find out which ones are reopening to go back and find out which ones were closed um and it did feel bad i'm not going to mention the, the card club in california but uh they triumphantly had a hey we're we're back and then the first comment was from someone was did you see what governor gavin newsom said today you're not <laughs> oh man like oh man like part of me laughed because i just i feel so uh, it was just funny but Man, I feel horrible because <laughs> they, they they held out a little longer than a lot of these other ones, and they were all ready to go open and oh. were used to what was so, going on. Like literally two hours before they announced it, so it's um, like they you know they're trying to do the right thing and they got screwed for it. Instead, they could have just opened up earlier, gotten some money out of it, and then had to close well, anyway. Yeah, and I'll tell you this too: like my friends that own uh, bars here in Florida, because they were out, allowed to reopen, um, and they were open for maybe, what two and a half weeks, I think, before the the state shut them back down. Yeah. Well, uh, and don't get me wrong; they they were happy to get that revenue for those two and a half weeks, but um, uh, but it's difficult to be allowed to reopen and then to. Uh, be told to shut down again. It, you'd almost be rather you'd rather just stay closed until um, you know you're going to reopen and know you can reopen. Now, yeah. of course, no, they were going to close them again, so that's you know weird uh, to say that. But um, but yeah, it's tough on staff. It's tough on supply chains. It's tough on all that kind of stuff when you open and then close and open and close and open and close. So you know, yeah, you can't plan. Nobody can plan for anything. Yeah, you know so, how do you, how do you plan how much uh, you know alcohol to order and then or or anything food you know the, the stuff that's that's uh perishable it it's it's a terrible terrible time not well, to, yeah, not to bring everybody happens. down on our entertainment show here sorry but it's just horrible no but i think i think people need to understand this as well too i mean uh it's the, the staffing is difficult as well too i mean um and, and I, I gotta imagine it's the same with, with poker right so yeah 
you know, I mean, one, you've got people, poker dealers and, you know, staff and management that have been out of work. Um, hopefully they've been getting unemployment, but depending on what state you're in, that's a little easier than uh, it is in others. Um, you know, uh, so you have some that want to get back to work. Uh, you have other ones that are like some of us and just freaked out still, right? And, and they're like, yeah, maybe I don't need to go back to work. Maybe that's not worth my health to uh, to come back. So, I, you know, I know... I, it, I haven't heard this from from poker rooms yet, but I've heard it from bars and restaurants that are having trouble getting employees to come back. Um, and then the ones that come back, and then then two weeks later they're like, "Hey, sorry, we've got to close again." Um, you know, a lot of them are, are trying to get other jobs and doing other things in the meantime. So, you know, you can't like get a job, quit a job because your real job is back, and then go lose a real the, job again, yeah. and then go back and get the other job, right? Exactly. So, you know, there's a lot about this that it, that's that's hard. It's not just the health part of it. So, um, but. Um, you know, a lot of these rooms that are open and they're doing well. I mean, some of them are, you know, like you're looking like uh, Oregon. I think we talked about this last week. I mean, they've had 13, 14 card clubs open since early May. Yeah. And I haven't seen, I mean, I don't follow Oregon's numbers uh, religiously, but I, I certainly don't see Oregon on the list of states being banned traveling to New York. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, right? So, yeah. so it is weird how this, this whole thing works. And, you know, if, you, if you're going to say it, it spreads like wildfire through poker rooms well in some states it's not right now <laughs> yeah. just not seeing it that way so and other states we are so who knows it's uh, and that's really it who knows no one knows anything all right i have some cheerier news here yeah. there's, some, there's some annie updates papes the annie up fans free online tournament series on poker stars play money site is available everywhere details on how you can join can be found at bit.ly slash p-a-i-p-s games are on the 6th 16th 26th of every month and rotate disciplines with a main tournament followed by a second chance event, PokerStars lets you claim fifteen thousand free chips every uh, chips every four hours. So all you gotta do is be there a couple times, and you can get in both events. Join the Annie Up Fans group Facebook page and post within the group to get Facebook uh, feedback. Okay, to get Facebook, <laughs> I get facetious. I get facetious on feedback on hands and uh, call the four questions or just discuss anything poker. Check out our eleven vintage Annie Up logo designs on merchandise at AnnieUpMagazine.com/shop. Buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and more with your choice of Annie Up Magazine, Annie Up PokerCast, and Annie Up PokerTour logos. And if you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcast at AnnieUpMagazine.com or post it in the Annie Up Fans group on Facebook. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at AnnieUpMagazine.com if they haven't won something from us in the past year. So like we do with call the floor and hand of the week, we send them something cool. Next week's prize, a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallery Casino Seminar, specializing in poker odds and poker uh, math at poker911.net. comes from Mark Kalzer. A bunch of people I know have formed an online poker league, and we play bi-weekly tournaments using play money with cash on the side. We allow two rebuys for the first hour and an add-on available at the hour mark. We are 58 minutes into the tournament. The player to my right gets pocket aces and gets to the flop against a player who was one of the best in the league and down to 2K out of a starting stack of 3K, which is rare for him this late in the first hour. Player on my right is a big stack and has position. Flop comes ace-ace-x. It goes bet-call. But on the turn, the short stack types in a bet amount that is all his chips minus one. The big stack with quads raises for the final chip and is called. After the quads are revealed and the really good player busts and rebuys, I replay the hand and notice the raise for the final chip. I say to the Zoom chat, that I admired the way he didn't seem to consider just calling with quads and potentially leaving the good player with a single chip, with little time to bust out and rebuy before the hour mark. 
Would that be unethical, bad sportsmanship, or un-Canadian? Granted, he'd likely bet the single chip on the river, but what if this was on the river uh, that he did the all-in minus one bet uh, and you just called then? Thoughts? He did the all-in, but uh, but one bet on his own accord, and we've been known to jokingly do it a few times in the league, but rarely so close to the end of rebuys. But what if this did happen? Well, uh, uh, as I told Mark, I'm not familiar with the Canadian uh, Constitution or whether they even have a constitution. <laughs> so I can't I can't speak to the young Canadian part, uh, although they are nicer than we are down here in America. So, um, But uh, the reality is, is that uh, in tournament play, you have to bet the nuts and raise the nuts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or get a penalty. So, uh, so th- this money was going to get in one way or the other. Um, and uh, as he mentioned, you know, you know, on the river, obviously that that one chip was going to get in, so it doesn't matter. But you know, his question was if it was on the river and you did this. If you did this on the river, it would be actually unethical, and you would have got a. I mean, obviously it's an online fun tournament, so you can't get penalties. But in a brick and mortar room, you would have been penalized for not betting your nuts. There. But what if it's the reverse, where you didn't have position? That's the, the way to say it, because but now you still have to bet. You still have well, to yeah, bet. but you you could bet him with one less chip. Or you could you could still check the turn, have this guy have position. You know, what I mean, I'm just wondering if there's a way that you could have done it where you bet one minus chip the guy called, and then on the it's river you check. Possible, but yeah, I mean, but you you wouldn't. Yeah. You're allowed to check the river if you're not in position to see if this guy's going to shove or whatever. You don't have to bet the nuts if you're not the last to act. That is true. That is true. So if he he bets. You know, he checks on the river, and the other guy just bets with minus one chip. Then you have to raise, I guess. I, I don't know, but it's interesting. I, I, do I think it's unethical? Well, I don't know. It's sort of a, I don't know. I, well, <laughs> I, right? if if what I'm doing is legal, we got into this conversation years ago, and we used to record this at the radio yes, station. Legal and ethical. Yep, yep. Yeah, and legal and ethical. But like, if I knew, like, if you knew. All right, here's the deal. I, I'm going to backtrack for a second. When you're in a tournament, okay, and you know you're going up against somebody you can't beat, and you don't want, you you, but you want to try to get that person out. You want to make sure that person can't hurt you, and so you do whatever you can to get the best player out. Um, so, like, let's say you play for big pots against this person. You you play against his game, whatever. That's a tactic. Another tactic is to leave a guy short stacked before the rebuy. And he can't rebuy. That's a tactic. Now, if it's one chip, it, now in this case, he has to because he was last to act. He has to bet. But if it was the other way around, I wouldn't think it was really unethical because it's a, strate- a strategic move. Just like uh, when two people check it down at the end because they want to knock out the best player who's all in, you know, they check it down. It's this sort of implied collusion, but I don't see anybody getting penalties for it. So I don't know. I think that if it was reversed and you could get away with not betting there because it's not wrong, you don't get penalized for it, I don't think it's unethical. I think that's a way to keep that person at bay and and, and hurt him. If somebody goes all in and you have ace-ace, you're not going to not call because this guy made a stupid play. You're going to call because you made the best strategic move at the moment. I'm not saying it's... The, that's a gray area, but I don't think it's truly unethical if you can get away with, hey, 
I'm going to do a funny Scott Long bet and make a nine at the end. So it does all these funny stacks, but it leaves this guy with one chip, you know, or whatever. And then he has one chip. Now, was I unethical or was I just being funny or whatever? But I just don't see this being unethical. I think it's. Well, I, I think this discussion is a little bit better if you take away the nuts, right? Because that's what I'm assuming the quads here were. Yeah. Living. So let's say you, you didn't have the nuts, and then we have this discussion. Yeah, I think that's a proper, it's a pretty good strategy to to make a player who's good, who you don't want to rebuy, unable to rebuy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's not unethical. That's not bad sportsmanship. That's, that's poker strategy. So... Uh, where it gets complicated is if you have the nuts and you're not betting and raising when you're supposed to. But take that away from it, then it becomes a much more interesting discussion. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you can keep a player in and not let them uh, rebuy, then that that's that's powerful for you, powerful for everybody else in the tournament. So yeah, imagine if you're at a table with Danny Negreanu and you can get him to have one chip before the rebuy ends. If there's a way to do it without it being illegal or getting a penalty, you're going to do it. Because you don't want this guy to have a huge stack again or keep rebuying. You'd love to be able to know that that guy's not going to give you the fits for the next three hours yeah. in that tournament. So, I don't yeah, know. To be realistic, though, I mean, a player like that's not going to want to stick around with 10 chips or one chip or anything like that. So, I think a more realistic discussion is bet sizing to get that player to stay in the tournament and not get desperate enough to shove to get out so they can rebuy. Um, and there's a lot of math figuring out what that is, so I don't know exactly what that would be. But in terms of your thinking in the tournament, yeah, I would say if you could position a player so he cannot rebuy, that would be something that you should do if you don't have the nuts and you're not compelled to bet. Like, let's yeah. say let's say it's something like uh, – we're just expanding this conversation. So Yeah. But let's say uh, this guy goes all in and preflop. And another guy calls his all-in, but he only he has 10 chips less than the guy who went all-in, who's the better player. And that guy wins. Now, the guy who has 10 chips left, uh, there's one hand left. You know what I mean? There's one, there's one hand left, and they milk the clock. Everybody at the table milks the clock to get the – because you can know when the rebuy is going to end on online because you, you know the hour, you know that the time is strict. You know, what if they all milk their, their call and their fold and their check and all that crap so that it takes up all the time so this guy can't get it all in, you know, or something, or he folds on the next hand or, or something bizarre like that. It's it, it, I'm just wondering if that's unethical. You know, they know the guy's short stack and he wants to get it all in, but he's not going to get it all in with do seven off, so he folds. I feel, I feel a little greasier about that one. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. because... You know, I mean, I never like the people that like milk the clock, and and uh, now, I mean, it's is it allowed? Sure. Um, so if it's allowed, then we shouldn't tell people not to do it, right? But uh, but but I think if you if you are a, a gentleman at the table, as we like to say, right? Yeah. I think what we're talking about initially here is very gentlemanly. It's it's just smart poker, where you know, tanking the clock and hoping to run out of stuff is a little. Bush League. Yeah, there you go. So uh, I, I was trying to find something that we could agree yeah. on that's that's unethical, and that to me that's sort of just like crap. That's you know, but if if you can just hurt somebody's stack and not get them to rebuy and be more powerful or formidable at the table, I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, but again, in this case, the guy had to bet because it was in the nuts, he had quads. So uh, interesting discussion though. 
Yeah. Know, you also have to know what the rules on the rebuy are, too. I mean, generally speaking, uh, uh, most rebuy tournaments I've played, you don't have to be bust to rebuy. You just have to be below your start number. Stack that's right. Something like that. So yeah, That's right. Uh, which doesn't really change the conversation too much, just knowing where that Mendoza line is um, uh, to keep that player above it, right? Whether yeah. it's a, an actual amount or whether it's zero. So, um, But, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, if you don't have the nuts and, and you can – and you know, put a player in a position where he can't rebuy and freeze him out of the tournament. Yep. Yep, I do it. Smart. Yep. We have a new O'Malley's move today. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing a $1, $2 No Limit Hold'em Casino cash game. This is our regular casino, and we're relatively familiar with a couple of the players. We bought in for 200 and currently sit with around 300. The game is nine-handed. The blinds post, and the end of the gun makes the table standard raise to $10. This player is a fairly tight player that can be aggressive and can get tilted. He tends to chase draws and turn hands into bluffs when he misses, but he doesn't often fly off the handle with these bluffs. He started the hand with around 250 after buying in for 200 as well. An MP calls, and it's on us with the button and the deuce of spades, deuce of diamonds. This is a fun hand to see a flop with. We're well within the margin of making this a profitable call. Since he's under the gun, fairly tight, and raised, we can put him on a pretty strong hand here. I'm guessing aces through maybe jacks. Jacks might be a little too weak for this player to raise from under the gun with. Ace-King and perhaps Ace-Queen. There's around $30 in the pot, and the flop comes the Four of Hearts, Tray of Hearts, Deuce of Hearts. The under the gun pretty quickly makes a $20 bet into the pot, and the MP almost instantly folds. Alright, so we got some good news and some bad news here. This is a very coordinated flop, but unless our opponent had exactly Ace-King or Ace-Queen of Hearts, I'm guessing we're probably ahead here. Even still... I'd like to play some pot control and just call. I'm not all that worried about another heart coming down, and the board could pair, giving us a boat. There's $70 in the pot, and the turn is the 10 of spades. Our opponent once again leads out, this time for $50. This might be where we should have sprung our trap, but I'm still interested in pot control and calling for value here. We make the call. There's now 170 in the pot, and the river is the ace of clubs. Our opponent almost instantly shoves for his remaining stack, roughly a pot-sized bet. So, he never showed any signs of slowing down. What's the move? It's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. Now working. If you haven't (laughs) won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And I moved our good friend O'Malley up on the the list here because uh, he has an ace-ace hand for us, Chris. And... uh, and that's what the uh, listener spotlight was too. He says, yes. <laughs> "Yes, look at that! All kinds of aces everywhere." So, so let me see. All right, so this is on a Poker Stars home game, uh, cash game, blinds for fifty one hundred, six max table, uh, one player sitting out, so they're five handed. Everybody bought in for ten k, and uh, we have nine k, and the villainous hand has eleven k. Uh, undergun limps, and the player uh, to our right folds, and we're on the button with the Ace of Hearts, Ace of Clubs. Okay, let's raise. Right? 
Wow, you, you like to play loose with aces. <laughs> Standard raise. Chris Reckless Casenza here, folks. <laughs> Standard raise, whatever it is, make it. Standard poker here. Yeah. yeah. So, All right, uh, here it says I really like this spot five-handed because it's going to seem like I'm just trying to make a move on the button. The villain in this case is going to be in the small blind. He's a smart, savvy player, and it's almost always guaranteed that he's going to raise thinking I'm just trying to make a move. Uh, so we make it 400 to go. And he says, sure enough, the small blind raises to 1300 Big blind and under the gun player get out of the way, and now it's back to us. Uh, I don't see why not to... I mean, it depends on what this player is going to do, but if you can get all of his chips pre-flop, somebody's doing that gives you respect for the hand that you're supposed to have, and they're still raising you. I don't see any reason not to pop it again. you got the best hand in poker. Of course you're going to have your hand face up, but so what? Yeah, I think what's interesting about this, just based on what he described the small blind, as the small blind um, tends to do this because he thinks we're making a move and wants to, the, you know, uh, move move on us. <laughs> that Re- thing, right? Remove. Remove on with, us. With yeah. a hyphen. <laughs> <laughs> so if that's the case, there is a case to be made then, I think, to just call here and uh, make you seem a little weaker than you think. Um, and see whether he's going to take another stab at you on the the flop. Um, but generally speaking, yeah, I think you know when when I have a and I have aces and I raise and I get re raised. Somebody shown interest in this hand. I'm going to keep raising and hope we get it all in and hope we're up against queens or kings and and that board runs out friendly and uh, I'm fat and happy. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, I do think that there is a little mind games you can play here based on what we know about this particular small pot. So. Well, the other thing too is that. I mean, we're also assuming that O'Malley's correct, that that's the only reason this guy is popping yeah, it again. True. You correct. know, he could also legitimately have a hand. Yep. So, I, I would pop it again. Alright, uh, he says, I know a lot of people are licking their chops here thinking now's the time to re-raise because perhaps a re-raise gets all the money in right here. However, I don't know if the small blind is just making a move, and if I shove, the last thing I want is to watch him insta-fold a weak hand. Uh, plus, I wouldn't mind letting him pair his top card if I uh, pair his top card. If I get out outdrawn, oh well, that's the risk you take. But I'm perfectly okay with taking that risk occasionally, so I call. All right, so he's going down that other line. Um, you know, sometimes that bites you. Sounds like that was O'Malley actually calling you too. I could hear the phone vibrating <laughs> on the desk every week. It, it wasn't. It was a seven two seven number, not a Utah number. <laughs> Dang. <so. laughs> a little too early for O'Malley to be uh, up. That's true. That's true. You're talking politics with me. But. <laughs> Uh, okay, the pot is squiggly 2600, and the flop is the king of hearts, 10 of hearts, 8 of clubs, and the small blind, who has 9700 remaining, uh, leads out for 1200. Well, we 7700 behind now. I like the ace of hearts in our hand, in case we go backdoor. I like, we have an over. I don't like this guy setting the price. There's no reason now to slow play this. It's a coordinated board in a lot of ways, two hearts. Two to a ten high, you know, a straight with a ten eight. Two to a straight with a ten king. I I think I just get it in now. Yeah, I I agree. I think there's too much danger here. We uh, if the guy had been making a move, he's not going to make any more moves. His hand, right? You know, if we call here again, he's done. Um, unless he picks up something and improves, right? So, right. um, and if he does have something, then that's great. You know, as long as it's not a set. Um. So uh, yeah, I I'm on team raise here. So, all right. 
All right, our hero says, I know this is where a lot of people spring the trap, but this player could have almost anything here. I'm hoping it's something like King, Queen, or King, Jack, but it could be just as easily a 10 or an 8 or even nothing at all. Since we have the Ace Heart, Ace of Hearts blocker, I'm not too concerned about a flush getting there. If a heart comes on a turn, we have a draw, and even still, I'd like to think the hearts, I'd like the hearts to miss because he can put us on a nut flush draw here. And the board doesn't give us a heart, we can shove on a later street to make it look like we're bluffing and missed a draw. I elect the call. Hmm. All right, well, he, he's given his reasons. I'm not necessarily sure we agree with that. Yeah, it's an interesting um, discussion to have, depending on how his hand comes out. It's it's dangerous, right? I mean, yeah. as long as you admit the, the danger in it here, um, that's fine. Um, you know, it just seems like uh, the like again what I what I said. If the guy has nothing and he was trying to take advantage of our button raise and and kept it up for appearance's sake, now we call here. He's got to shut down at this point. He's not going to keep spewing chips with nothing, right? I don't yeah, think. Maybe. And if he has something like this King Queen or King Jag, then um, then he's probably going to call a raise. So you know, I there doesn't seem to be too many downsides to raising, but um, but let's see how the, the the tricky little play here works out. Yeah, I, I have to go with what you said though. I just can't imagine uh, what a, a raise is not going to hurt us. He's not going to fold if he's got top pair with a good kicker, and if he doesn't have anything, he's not going to catch up enough on the turn. If he does catch up on enough, like if he has an eight. And then he hits his seven on the turn. He has seven eight or something like that. Now we've screwed ourselves. So I might as well just get it in now. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, our, our opponent has uh, eighty five hundred left, and we have sixty five hundred. The pot's around five thousand, and the turn is the queen of spades, making the board king of hearts, ten of hearts, eight of clubs, queen of spades. Yeah. See, now we're getting the dangerous territory. I mean, now you've completed all those straights we talked about. Every one of them, basically. If you had nine jack, just because you were fooling around. If you had, you know, jack nine, ace jack. I mean, there's a lot of stuff now that just got there for straights. And then that's, that's just a horrible card. And then if you were saying before, he's hoping he had king queen. Well, now he's got it. Now what do you do? So yeah. I think we really, I mean, of course, if we shoved and he called with the king, we were going to lose anyway. But now we're kind of like in a terrible situation. Um, did you say he bet? Uh, small blind bets two thousand. I got a call and hope we hit like the card that he doesn't have for a better two pair. I'm just gonna call now. Yeah, this is where we start to get in danger with aces, right? Because we it's just a single over pair, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, all the straights in the world got there. Um, so I mean, and there's not a card that's gonna come that's gonna help us beat a straight, right? I right. mean, the best that can come is an ace for a set, and that that completes other straights. Well. No, it doesn't actually help anything else. So I'm sorry, uh, but but that's the best we can do now. So I mean, we don't have the runner runner flush possibility anymore. Um, although I guess let's see what a jack would give us the straight, right? Yeah, a jack would give us the straight. Um, if you're narrowing him down to a king queen or something like that, then we got to hope for a ten or an eight to give us a better two pair. So I mean, we don't know what cards it is now that'll help us win this hand, and now we have to hope for an ace too if he doesn't have the straight. So we have two aces, maybe two tens, maybe two eights if he's got king-queen. you know. But we're narrowing it pretty narrow here, so I don't know. Uh, I'm just going to call, though. I, I, I don't think I can shove now. Of course, at the end when he shoves, then what we're going to do is put a test to it. So uh, it's brutal. I wish we played it totally differently. <laughs> yeah, it seems like we need to call here. I mean, we still could be good. We still have some outs to improve. Um, 
Wow, yeah. But, you know, again, we don't have any information here. You know, mm. obviously, I think the guy has a hand. I mean, he's betting too much now to, I mean, I guess some people can do that stone cold bluff all the way. But, I don't know. Uh, feels, like right. he, feels like he's got a king, but I don't know if he's got the king, queen, or king, ten, though. Uh, O'Malley says, uh, so now we're behind King Queen, uh, King, behind, uh, behind King Queen. King Jack has turned to draw. In fact, any Jack has turned to draw. But I'm still not too concerned as his bet is consistent with how he plays. So it's difficult to range him here. Again, I'm not playing this one optimally. I'm playing it to exploit, and I think there's a good chance I'm still ahead. So I make the call. Cool. All right, he's got 6,500. We have 4,500. The pot is 9,000, and the river is the Eight of Hearts, making the final board King of Hearts. Ten of hearts, eight of clubs, queen of spades, eight of hearts. So to your point, now we've got a better two pair. But if he was somehow on some kind of hard draw, he uh, has improved. Yeah, I don't think he keep betting a hard draw though. I, I don't know, especially when he's first to act. You know, I, I think that when we raised, he re raised, we call. Now he's betting into us with a hard draw. It doesn't seem likely, especially since we had the ace of hearts. He's not going to bet under hearts here right. strongly. Yeah. So to me, I think that's an eight. That eight's a good card for us because I don't think that guy's betting just an eight strong like this. So I like that eight. Uh, I'm probably just going to shove now. Although I mean, you could look for value if you think you're ahead um, and try to bet. Well, first of all, our opponent checks. So. Oh, okay, that's right. Oh, sorry. So yeah, so he checked us now. Well, I mean, you could check behind, but I feel like we're up. We got a dead man's hand here, aces and eights. So I think if we believe it that we're ahead, I'm going to value bet. If I'm really perplexed by what this guy has, I'm just going to check behind and show down a pretty strong hand that he may not even be able to put us on and uh, hope we won. You know, if he has kings and queens, we got him beat. And if he's got the straight, I don't know if he would check. He checked, so he's afraid of the hearts. I mean, I, I don't yeah, know. He can't check the he can't check hearts and he can't check a straight here, I don't think, the way he's been betting. Yeah. You know, I mean, because I, I can see the argument out there. Hey, you want you want you want a check to induce a, a bet, but if you've been betting it all away, you know that's that's what you need to keep doing. So, uh, yeah, I don't think we're up against a flush or a straight anymore now. Yeah, uh, you don't bet a hand the whole way hoping to hit the hand, and then when you hit the hand, you don't bet it. That doesn't make sense in this case. Yeah, unless you're positive that O'Malley would try to steal it and bluff at the end for more than you would normally bet. You know, if you're positive that he doesn't have anything and he might steal at the end, then you check. But it's very rare that that's the way people play this hand. So I like the eight. Uh, and the only thing is that maybe the guy had an eight and he was thinking we were bluffing the whole time. And now he's hit, hit the third eight and he's like, oh, now I'm going to try to get him to. I don't know. I, I just I think I'm going to bet. But even then, I don't think you slow down at that point. If, if, if he has strip eights, I don't think you slow down. I mean, there's more danger out there to the straights and flushes, obviously. But I don't think you slow down at that point. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's so bet. I, I really, really feel like we're ahead here, so it's just a matter of how much you bet. Um, and we have exactly half the pot <laughs> in our stack, so I, 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 I'd be fine going the way all the way up to my, yeah, my stack. Um, you know, but if you don't think he's going to call that much, then then you need to to scale down and get what you can out of it. But uh, but I, I don't have a problem with betting half pot here, which is all in. So. Yeah, and it could look like we're bluffing, and then the guy has kings and eights and thinks it's good and calls. There is that, that too. That's the other advantage. I mean, the other uh, argument for shoving, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Valley says this piqued my interest because the eight of hearts is a great card for him to shove on, in my opinion. He could represent a lot uh, that crushes my range. 
I think, knowing this player, uh, this is not a check to induce a bluff. Uh, the way he played the hand seemed like he was either um, A, betting for value the whole way, or two, <laughs> trying to make it seem uh, like he was betting for value uh, to get me to fold at a certain point. I don't think he aborts that plan on the river unless he figures I'm too deep to fold and a shove would only get called by a better hand. Based on that logic, taking into account uh, that I played this to exploit, I think I'm ahead here. I decided to bet, but the question is how much? I could bet somewhere in the neighborhood of 2000 to 2500 hoping to get a weaker hand to get priced into calling, or I could shove, hoping he's in the mood to make a hero call. Uh, the Eight of Heart is actually a decent card now because I'm ahead of King, Queen, and King, Ten. After some short thinking, I take my time bank all the way down and shove, trying to make it seem like I was attempting to push him off his hand. Mm. He immediately called and turned over the Jack of Spades, Jack of Diamonds, after I showed my aces. Since we were connected via phone, there was some lengthy discussion about this hand. Some players at the table said I took uh, the long, uh, took uh, the way around about way of getting a stack. Had I shoved pre-flop at a five-handed uh, poker, t- five-handed table po- pocket jacks have to call. I think this is results-oriented thinking. Uh, I don't. I didn't think he had a hand. He could. He called a shove pre-flop. I took a dangerous line with aces, but the way it came out, I feel like I played it really sneaky. It's not how I would play aces every time. In fact, I think in the long term, playing this way would be negative EV. But I think occasionally need to step out of line and do things a little differently. Yeah, I mean, three, that line of reasoning. We we talked about it pre-flop. We said this was a good chance because he could actually wake up with a hand. Now I don't know if we re-raise there, if he calls with jacks or if he shoves with jacks. But I think if we do re-raise and he doesn't shove, and he just calls, then the king comes and we bet out as if we have ace king or whatever he checks to us because now he's worried about the king, and we bet out like as if we had ace king. He might just fold there, so you probably maximize the value. I know they were talking about five-handed jacks have to call there, but I don't know if they do or not. He if he may actually put you on a legitimate hand at that point because you raise, he re-raise, then you shove. His jacks really shrivel up there, so I don't yeah. know. I mean, I know it's five-handed, but I, I still, yeah, I, I don't the know. Five-handed is what makes that part that that discussion interesting in a full ring game. Yeah, I I don't see how you can you can call jacks. Right. Uh, but, but shorthanded, I, I, it might be hard for me to lay down jacks at that point, thinking I'm up against the... Uh, I mean, well, I mean, really, I, I don't like to go all in with, with that stack against ace-king on a coin flip either, so, you know, yeah. but... Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there might be a case that, that he could have, but uh, but certainly... The, but, I mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, the, the way our opponent was leading out the entire way, it was the other way. When that flop comes, those jacks die right yeah i mean there's a king and a queen on the flop right no no a king or, 10 the queen came king on the 10, turn yes yeah. yeah, so at least a king on the so now now you have to worry about somebody having a king and, and beating you so it's really rough at that point but and then by the turn when the queen is there right now now you really have to think hard about yeah. how good jacks are so yeah. um I, I would say any any way you could have gotten jacks to get all in on this this hand particularly with this board uh was pretty good i think so yeah yeah Wow. Well, one thing I'm grateful for is that O'Malley plays so much poker that he has these O'Malley moves out there that he could make in the moves, and he gives us a hand of the week instead. Yeah, it's it's like the gravy that comes out of the, the turkey, right? <laughs> or as Scott used to say, the au juice. The au juice. With the beef. <laughs> Chris Kiss We'll see you at the table. AntiUp is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, 
send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.